Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and Jabbar on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC St. Petersburg, Russia, which is going to be going down this weekend. Uh, early card for us East Coasters, thank God. 10 a.m. start for the prelims on Fight Pass, and then continuing again uh, on ESPN Plus or on Fight Pass if you're in Canada at 1 a.m. for the main or 1 p.m. for the main card. So I'm super fucking excited for that early card, afternoon cards. You know how much I love that. Get up, have some breakfast, some pancakes, watch some fights, uh, coffee and combat is what a lot of people call it. Uh, and then you got the whole rest of the evening to do whatever the fuck you want and actually be a regular human being. On one of these fucking Saturday nights rather than uh, sticking your face in front of a TV and watching the UFC fights. But before we get things going, we're going to be doing the casuals again with my boy, Big Rob. What's up? Hello. All right. This week, we're going to be showing him uh, something that Alexei Olenek has been able to perfect over 57 wins. Um, one of the more unorthodox submissions that you'll ever see. Uh, but this is actually his fight against Junior Albini. We're going to be going... Uh, into this fight with three minutes and 40 seconds left in the first round. Right. All right, Alexei Olenek is the guy okay. on the left. Okay. He's had over 70 fights, and he looks like it. He's going. <laughs> whoa, whoa, grabbing necks. And then so down. He kind of just pulled him on top of him. He's grabbing his neck. It's like a lock. What's going on here? But they're both grabbing each other. Yeah. But it looks like he's going to put the other guy to sleep because he's choking him. Oh. So he tapped out to that pretty oh. much. So I didn't see the tap out though, but the but the he, but he the did ref. It on the other side. As soon as they switched the camera, he uh, tapped on his belly. But so that that looks like a very unorthodox choke, you know what I mean? Like that's something you don't really see. This guy has managed to perfect it somehow. But it's like that position that he was in when he got the choke mm. is probably one of the worst positions you could ever be in. Just because you're on bottom, the guy's on top of you, that's a dominant position. That's considered a dominant position. Okay. But he's able to just Get this squeeze. He has a grip. We'll see it in the replay. Okay. But he has this vicious fucking squeeze where he's able to uh, cut off the both the arteries on this side of your neck because that's what you know helps you breathe and helps keep the brain up there. Especially right? when you're when you're when so, you're beat, and your heart's beating fast. Exactly. It's interesting how he locks it up see, too. Like they're standing face to face. Yeah. Right so there. his right bicep is on one side of the guy's neck, and then the the forearm as well. Is across the back of his neck on the other side. Oh yeah, it's so like both. Right both oh, it's almost like he's trying to put yeah. both elbows and together. And then he's using he's using his left arm to kind of like. Uh, but how come the guy's not trying to punch him or anything? Because he's getting choked. He's getting choked. Even if he's, he's getting punching choked him, that he, hard, is the just, choke is 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 gonna make more damage or or cause more damage than any of the punches that he's throwing from that position. He's trying to conserve. He has no he has no room to actually get up and throw power mm. shots. You're, when you're that close to somebody, you're not able to generate that yeah, much power, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. While this guy is just fucking choking, just squeezing. They call him the boy constrictor for a fucking good reason. But yeah, that was That's one scary. of the crazier fucking jokes. Like I think he's he's one of the only guys to do it in the UFC and he's done it three or four times in the UFC. It's it's almost like a praying mantis. Like, it just grabs on and just... Latches on and just fucking... Latches on, doesn't let go. Just fucking... Oh, my God. It just held him down until he was normally, out. Normally, you see the guy, like, on the other guy's back and then yeah. choking him from behind. There's some more fu of a fight. Yeah, but this guy, like, I'm just gonna... Well, you're gonna clinch this close with me and let me grab onto this? And this guy has seen... Like, everybody... He was a, he was a pretty decent-sized underdog in that fight. And everybody knew the only way he could win is if he gets that type of choke. So mm -hmm. everybody's like, this guy... The other guy's just gonna stay jabbing him on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Let him get that close. Let him get latched onto it. Uh, and pulled him down. 
That's what, because normally when I see something like that and, and the pastor showed me, it seems like the other guy's trying to fight a little harder. Yeah. But, but this, this guy, guy just, just gave it up. He, yeah. He, he, he was trying, but yeah. just there's nothing he could do. It was fucking, like, <laughs> it was when game we, over. I knew a lot of people that had money on the Brazilian guy that lost in oh. that fight. <laughs> they were just completely awestruck that that was able to happen the way it did. Oh, man. I felt fucking bad. <laughs> oh. All right, so that was uh, that was uh, Alexei Olenek choking out Junior Albini. Uh, one of the again, one of the crazier chokes that you see in the in the UFC. Uh, and we appreciate it as always, my man, Big Rob, giving us the casual reaction Thank view you. of that. All right, so this week, like I said, we're going to be getting into. Oh my God, I even started off the the PowerPoint uh, way ahead than I was supposed to. <laughs> but it's Overeem versus Olenek. That's completely good. Uh, but we all know what the poster looks like. We know what Alistair Overeem's face looks like. We know what Alexei Olenek's face looks like. Uh, but we have, uh, yeah, so this card goes down in St. Petersburg, Russia. Again, 10 a.m. start uh, for the prelims for the East Coasters. Uh, most of us on Fight Pass, if not on ESPN+. Plus. Regardless, decent card coming up here. I mean, there's seven debutants. Seven motherfuckers that are going to be uh, making their UFC debuts here. But there's a lot of them that show a lot of good potential. Some of them are a little young. Some of them are a little bit more grizzled. But uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a huge uh, foray of these guys just coming in and getting some of these victories. Some of the, some of these guys are slight underdogs, heavy underdogs, uh, slight favorites, heavy favorites. Um, but I'm very excited to see how they can uh, do uh, in the UFC with the bright lights and all that, whatever comes with that UFC experience for these guys. Uh, so, yeah, big fight with Alexi Olenek and Alistair Overeem to kick off the card, um, or sorry, to end off the card. Uh, but then, you know, throughout it, you kind of got to really squint and see if you recognize some of these names. You know I mean? We got Antonina Shevchenko, uh, Valentina Shevchenko's sister. Um, we got uh, Sergey Pavlovich. You know what I mean? Not the biggest name. He just came off a loss to Alistair Overeem in his last fight. Um, we got Martin Taboras sprinkled in there. Mihal Oleksijic, um, the return of Magomed Mustafaev, um, Keita Nakamura, Christoph Chaco. So there are some names sprinkled out throughout this card, but you're really going to want to be invested in some of these fights uh, if you want to be paying attention, at least in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, decent card right there. Let's just quickly go over my last card, however, uh, which was pretty... Um, Pretty disheartening, I should say. It was a it was a very tough loss. I'm just looking at my bet MMA profile and that at that 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 significant decline from this last event really fucking hurts. Uh, but you know I'm 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 doing my best to just fucking get back on the horse uh, and get back to my winning ways, uh, which I know I'm capable of and and on a consistent fashion as well. So this this fucking little roller coaster I've been on for the last couple months, uh, you know I haven't really lost big. You know I mean I've I've been able to uh, muster up enough wins to to make the money back and then you know I hit a hit a bad night again. So um, here's to fucking you know getting my groove together and get my shit together and. And come in with a, a good game plan, but just again, let's quickly quickly go over the last card. <clears throat> uh, the only bet that won my dog of the night play, which was two units on uh, Dwight Grant at plus one hundred three, so that profited for two point zero six units. Uh, very close fight, you know. What I mean, Dwight Grant won a split decision. I could easily see people give that to Alan Joban, but you know, this is kind of car a karma type of thing. You're gonna eventually get these types of split decisions to go your way, and then we get the Ben Rothwell, Blagoy, Evenov type of decision that doesn't go your way. So maybe this is just uh, karma balancing itself out. Um, 
Another dog of the night play, Kelvin Gastelum against Israel Adesanya. One unit at plus 164 on Kelvin Gastelum. Very close fight. You know what I mean? Up until that fifth round, I think that's where Israel Adesanya just had a little bit more heart, a little bit more to give, and a little bit more drive than Kelvin Gastelum, uh, who, you know, uh, seemed to not want it as much as Israel at the end of that fight. Uh, but big props to Israel Adesanya. I'm very happy with the output that I was able to get from Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, you know, at that bet, even though it was a loss, you know, it, it felt like he did all the things that he needed to uh, to get the victory there except push the gas in that fifth round. So um, good showing from Kevin Gaslam, but he just falls up short against Israel Adesanya. Um, two other dog of the night plays, slight sprinkles, uh, 0.25 units uh, for Holloway to win in the third round at plus 825, and then 0.25 units at plus 1300 for Holloway to win in round five. Um, you know, Pori stuck it out in there. You know, he really got it together. Um, I thought that Holloway's advantage would be to kind of pull away w from this fight uh, in the later rounds, but he's never really fought a fighter that has the precision uh, striking and doesn't gas as much as Jose Aldo does over five rounds, and he really stuck it to Max Holloway. You know what I mean? He rocked him early in that first round. Uh, was a very bad first round for him, um, and then, you know, continued to put on the pressure, especially landing that huge knee to cause that gash uh, just above the eyebrow of Max Holloway. So, um, you know, tough L there, um, and then also that falls right into my first lock of the night play, which was uh, Max Holloway versus Poirier to not go to a decision. So I kind of thought it was going to, you know, the first two and a half, three rounds are going to be pretty competitive. And then I thought Max Holloway was going to be able to put, you know, the foot on the gas and keep going for the rounds four and five, overwhelmed Dustin Poirier, which he kind of overwhelmed Dustin Poirier in that third round. I thought we were going to get a finish there. Um, however, you know, Poirier was able to survive um, and then, you know, even with all the damage that Poirier was able to do in that first round, I thought that's what, what was going to happen. I mean, I thought Poirier was going to touch him up, but not as much as he did for the rest of the fight. But in that first round, I thought he was going to have a lot of success, and he had a lot of good chances of putting Holloway, Holloway away there, but couldn't get the job done. So that was minus five units on that. And then my other lock of the night play was Eric Anders and Khalil Roundtree to not go to a decision. And, you know, sometimes guys just make vast amounts of improvements and you're not able to kind of, you know, cap for those types of things. Whereas, you know, they've always stayed in a certain um, form uh, in all of their previous fights. So it, it goes to show, you know, with Khalil Roundtree, guys can really go out there and elevate their game and, and add a new wrinkle to it and, if, and effectively implement it in any one of their upcoming fights. So that's definitely some uh, a lesson that I've learned moving forward from this and definitely something that people should pick up on as well because a lot of people thought, you know, Khalil was just going to gas after that first round and then, you know, Eric Anders was going to be able to take over. Uh, if, you know, Khalil was able to get that that knockout in the first round, Anders would come back and maybe finish him in the second or third by pushing the pace a little bit more. But we were not expecting to see that type of Khalil Roundtree in that fight. You know, he beat the hell out of Eric Anders' front leg. Um, you know, horrible, horrible welt there. Even if you guys could uh, have gone to see it on uh, Eric Anders' uh, Instagram page afterwards, it looked vicious. And Khalil was able to keep that output up for all three rounds. I mean, he had plenty of chances to stop Eric Anders in that second round. Just did not follow up on it. Very unfortunate, in my opinion. And that ended up making us lose that uh, lock of the night play as well. So that one was very disheartening to take. And that was UFC Atlanta, UFC 236, minus 9.44 units. Really hate myself for that one. You know what I mean? But we're right back at it for UFC St. Petersburg. Like I said, very good card that we got coming up. Uh, or very decent card for the hardcores, um, but also 
a very interesting one uh, for a lot of these debuting UFC fighters. So let's just kick things right off. Also, I want to start off by saying that this might be a slightly more condensed episode. Um, I don't want to go too deep into these fights because I still got to look into a little bit of them. But uh, there are a lot of fights that uh, I do really want to get into. But some of these fights I'm just going to gla glaze over a little bit. Um, if you want to know more about them, just hit me in the comments below. You know, by that time, I should be able to get around to looking at a little bit more of it. But I'm slowly starting to get ahead of the schedule uh, to provide the best content that I can for you guys moving on uh, with future podcasts. But let's again, let's start things off with uh, Magomed Mustafaev versus um, versus Rafael or Rafael Fiziev. I don't know why I put a, put that 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 uh, Brazilian twang on it. But uh, Magomed Mustafaev is coming back after a heavy layoff. Last time he fought was way back in November of 2016 against Kevin Lee, where he lost by second round rear naked choke. That was a fight where he showed a lot of heavy kicks, a lot of spinning shit, you know, throwing with nothing but heat. But Kevin Lee was able to close the distance, get the fight to the ground, which was where he was more comfortable, and he was able to beat up uh, Mustafa from there, um, and then eventually get the rear naked chokes. You know, he got a, he almost got in multiple uh, scenarios, even near the end of the first round, but it was eventually near the ending of the second round where he was able to lock it up over Mustafaev. So for Mustafaev, that's somebody we have to look for uh, that has a lot of heavy striking, and uh, can really put it on guys and make them wilt. So that's something that Rafael Fiziev is definitely going to have to worry about. But I think that he is going to show uh, a really good game here. You know, he's a Tiger Muay Thai product. Uh, he's currently sitting at 6-0, so he's still relatively young uh, in his MMA career. But I saw some very, very good work from him. You know, um, in his last fight against Nurzan Tut Tutkaev, um, he showed vicious leg kicks you know i mean like very very bad leg kicks and he was so one problem i have with a lot of leg kickers is they leg kick but they don't stay it on it stay on it consistently enough for it to have an overall damage and we really saw it go to work in his titan fc 51 fight against nurzan where he stayed on that leg kick and then when he knew he was spamming it a little bit too much he went to the head so like he was he did a very good job of methodically picking apart Tutkayev, and I, you know, I'm not trying to compare the two, but I think that he could kind of almost do the same thing with Mustafaev, but he's got to be very wary about everything that's coming back at him because, uh, again, Magomed throws with nothing but heat. I'm going to go with the upside here. I'm going to go with um, Fiziev. Uh, he currently sits at plus 140-ish, so I think he's worth a shot at dog money. Uh, I don't know if I'm actually going to play it myself, but I do. I could definitely see an upset here, especially with Magomed uh, Mustafaev coming back after such a heavy layoff. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Mustafaev uh, implements a, a heavy wrestling game or if he thinks he can outstrike uh, Fiziev. But uh, I'm going to take Fiziev for the upset. I'm going to say a second-round TKO, uh, and hopefully Magomed is able to dust off some of the rust after that. Next up, we have... A light heavyweight belt with Gadzurad. Oh, I'm going to murk this one. Gadzimurad and Tugulov versus Mihal Ulikshejuk. I know I can kill that one. I've said that one numerous times before. So with Antigulov, we're getting a guy that hasn't fought since July of last year. So relatively longer layoff considering guys normally fight every three months. He fought Ian Kutilaba last fight um, and showed his biggest flaw. And that's um, that is his gas tank. 
You know, I mean, he is a guy that shows very powerful wrestling, very heavy top game, uh, and is able to submit a lot of his opponents and really impose his will from on top. But his one issue is his gas tank, and Ian Kutalabo was able to make him work a little bit harder than he's than he's used to, especially for takedowns, and then eventually finished him, uh, you know, with punches and elbows. But I think that Mihal, um, as long as he can stay out of submissions, he might be able to. He might be able to, you know, if he can survive that first round, I think he can stay on his bicycle enough to be able to um, make Antigulov work, make Antigulov move, uh, and then pretty much just pick him apart. Um, I could see a late finish for Mikhail, and it's for me, it's just so hard to bet on a guy that has such a poor gas tank like Antigulov. You have to, you have to pray and hope that this guy is able to get that finished within the first two and a half, three minutes of the fight, because after that. You know, the the depletion of the gas tank is just something so so hard to to watch, especially if you have money on it. You know what I mean? Like you you're praying and hoping that this guy gets to finish that quickly, but if he doesn't, it's gonna be rough. You know what I mean? Outside of a a one shot kill, I don't know if Antigolov is is capable of that. I think that Mikhail could definitely make him work. So I'm going with Mikhail here, and it's definitely something I'm even looking at as a potential bet. But I'm definitely seeing a little bit of money coming in. On um, Antigulov, and we're slowly getting a better price on uh, Oleg Shejuk. So I'm just going to wait a little bit longer throughout fight week and see where that price goes. And if it gets to a very enticing spot, I'm definitely going to take Mihal here. And I think that he could get it done probably in the third round. Next up, we got a. I'm very interested about the. Um, the, the, the lineup in terms of the order of these fights because a lot of these guys with names are actually earlier in the card. Um, so that's. An interesting aspect to this card, but here we got uh, Marcin Tarbura versus Shamil Abdurahimov. So we got a guy in uh, Marcin Tarbura who is coming off a victory over Stefan Struve in a fight that he showcased, uh, let's say, his secondary strength. You know, he he's mainly a striker who's able to stay technical on the feet. Uh, you know, move well enough to continue to jab guys. Uh, does a great job with his striking. Um, he's not really known as a takedown guy or a wrestler, but you know, Stefan Struve's wrestling and and takedown defense and even his submissions as of late have really dwindled so uh Marcin was able to take advantage of that keep this fight in a range that was safe for him to get a 30 27 decision and uh but in other fights you know he's really shown his striking prowess uh in the Derek Lewis fight he was doing very well up until that third run where he eventually got flurried on and Derek Lewis got the victory there um but in this fight against Shamil Abdurahimov, I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble with a guy who has the better grappling here. If Shamil is able to get a hold of Marcin, I think he could definitely make this a tough fight for Marcin. And uh, I think Shamil is going to have success with it. I don't know if Marcin is going to be able to stay away long enough. And especially at Dog Money, I think Shamil is an interesting bet here. I wouldn't be mad at people betting on Shamil here. Uh, you know, he's running two victories right now against Andre Olovsky and Chase Sherman. Uh, so he's shown that he's able to, you know, uh, go up against these strikers and get the W. Uh, and he's also a victim of a late Derek Lewis um, blitz as well. You know, Derek Lewis finished him in the fourth round way back in 2016. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Shamil here. I don't think that Marcin possesses enough power on the feet to give Shamil too much trouble in terms of closing the distance. And I think that Shamil is just going to kind of just ride Marcin here to a 30-27 decision. Uh, and I wouldn't be mad at anybody playing him at plus money. Something I'm going to look into a little bit more this week. But I, I, I definitely like him here. Next up, we got Alexander Yokovlev 
Yakov Lev against uh, Alex De Silva. So I need to look into uh, Yakov Lev a little bit harder because I haven't really seen too much of it recently. And especially you're talking about a guy who doesn't fight that often. He hasn't fought since... Uh, damn, this is longer than even... Uh, or sorry, this might even be the same card that Kevin Lee last fought Magomed Mustafayev at. And uh, again, Alexander Yakovlev hasn't fought since he lost to Zach Cummings way back in November of 2016. So he is a long guy. You know, he's fought at 170. He's fought at 155. And now he's going to come down all the way to, yeah, he's going to be in at 155. So he's definitely coming down in this fight. Um, maybe USADA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe he's just like, all right, we're going to not put on as much weight anymore or steroids and fucking come down. But I'm not going to get too deep into that. Um, you know, he's coming off of two losses. Uh, and I think he's in a little bit of trouble here. Especially the fact that we can get Alex De Silva at plus money. Ooh, I would bet that sooner than later because I think a lot of people are going to jump on the Alex De Silva train. But I'm very impressed with Alex De Silva with everything that I've seen thus far. I still got to look a little bit deeper into it, but he shows great stand-up, uh, great jiu-jitsu, a very active guard. Um, he's a very powerful striker. He holds a lot of power in his hands and feet. Um, and I think that he could definitely give... Um, Yakov Lev some issues here. Some of those brutal elbows that he beat uh, Slavo Midic with were fucking crazy. Just cutting elbows, um, got him into a really bad position and just fucking went ham on him. Eventually got the stoppage with one minute due to a doctor stoppage, but it was a pretty bad cut and he was doing a lot of damage there. Um, in the Jakob Kowalkiewicz fight, that's a really close fight in my opinion here. I mean, that it, it came down to the first round. I thought the second round was the uh, Silva, and then the third round, uh, he kind of just gave away to Jakob. But that first round was very close, and uh, you know he could easily be undefeated right now at 21-0. and 0. Um, I'm going to go with the upset here, um, and I'm going to go by... I will go by submission. I think that he catches Jakob Lev in a, in a, in a scramble and gets his, gets, his, gets his submission here. Um... And yeah, I love the plus money. And again, if you if you think you're going to bet it, I would bet it sooner than later because it's only going to get better because the word is getting out on Mr. Alex De Silva. And again, another thing playing against him, just like he was playing against Magomed Mustafaev, is the layoff. This could be a bad thing, especially coming against a guy who's been so active and, and such a killer recently. But I got um, Alex De Silva by second-round submission. Next up, we got Sultan Aliyev against Keita Nakamura. This is going to be a very close fight. Um, Sultan Aliyev uh, coming off a TKO via doctor stoppage, via eye in injury against Warley Alves. If you remember that brutal fucking, I don't know what it was, but like his eye just popped up. It was, it was really, really disgusting to look at, to say the least. But he's a decent all-around guy. You know, I mean, he, he wants to get the, the fight into the clinch position. He wants to take advantage in a grappling position. And Keita Nakamura is not uh, the biggest slouch in the... In a, in a grappling clinch position, but I think that Keita's path to victory here is to keep this fight on the outside, um, pick pick apart Sultan Aliyev, you know, use his crisp striking. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Keita's striking here, but I think that uh, if Sultan is able to 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 close the distance and, and start clinching against Keita, I think that Sultan will have the advantage here. So I think it's too close of a fight to call, and I think the odds kind of portray that. Um, we have Sultan Aliyev at minus... 120 is to Keita Nakamura's plus 100. I don't know if I would bet this fight 
it's it's too close for me to call. If you guys feel like you have a better read, I would definitely go with it. But in terms of me, I think I'm going to go with Sultan Ali via decision. Uh, I think he ends up closing the distance. I think he's going to be too powerful for Nakamura to get out of these bad t- positions, and he's going to be able to get the finish. Or sorry, he's going to be able to get a decision victory over a very tough and rugged Keita Nakamura. Moving on, we got Movzar Evloyev versus Songwu Choi. Um, two debutants going against each other, which is something that I'm not really a fan of. You know I mean? Like, if these guys make it to the UFC, they should already be fighting a guy with a UFC fight because this is like a Tuesday Night Contender Series fight or a tough fight. You know what I mean? Like, don't give us the shit. Give us these guys against, you know, even if it's a bottom-of-the-barrel type of guy in their division, I think that... Uh, you know, we should be get putting these guys up against who've, guys who have already experienced the bright lights of the UFC. Regardless, we're getting two debuting fighters here. One I am very high on, and one that I think deserves that minus 260-ish range that he's currently in. Movzarev Loyev, uh, you know, pretty much grew up in the M1 Challenge uh, fight promotion. Uh, and his last fight against Rafael Diaz was very, very impressive. You know what I mean? Uh, he won the fight in the fifth round, showing that he has a good gas tank. Very powerful in the clinch. Wants to get this fight to the ground. Has a very good top game. Has very good submission awareness. Decent on the feet, uh, but I think he does a very good job of closing the distance and getting a hold of these guys and getting them into positions that are uh, very compromising. Uh, and I think he'll have that success against the longer, lankier Sung Woo Choi, uh, who has very good stand-up. You know what I mean? So, by all means, I think that Choi is able, would have a chance to to maybe clip Movzar here, but I think that's his only path of victory. And I think that Movzar, you know, 10 fights in, uh, has about two more fights of experience over Sung Woo. Uh, I think he, you know, just from what I've seen, he has the ability to close the distance without eating too many heavy shots. And even though Sung Woo is kind of known as a striker, he does have knockout power, but I think it's nothing that Movzar is not going to be able to withstand. You know I mean, I think he, he has a good chance of, of closing that distance with taking minimal damage and then getting this fight to a position where it's going to be very beneficial beneficial for him. So I'm going to take Movzar uh, by decision. I think that Wu is quite durable uh even though you know his only loss is a very crazy finish uh from another korean fighter uh but i'm going to take movzar here uh by decision uh very grinding very dominant decision and kind of just laying his claim uh in that bantamweight division another very enticing prospect all right next up rolling right the fuck along <laughs> we got christoph jocko against alan amadevsky um, Christoph Jocko is coming off a very rough stretch right now. Three straight losses. Uh, first one was a split to David Branch. After that was a TKO loss to Uriah Hall. And then a third round loss to uh, Brad Tavares. Here he's fighting a debuting fighter in Alan Amodovsky, who showed very impressive uh, striking in his last outing, where he finished a guy in 12 seconds in Bellator. Uh, before that, uh, you know, another fight in Bellator. Uh, the last fight that I saw of his was Massi Milano Samarco. It was a fight where he was fighting a guy that was pretty obviously in a hometown advantage, but he did a very good job with uh, you know relentless grappling pressure. Uh, was able to get many reversals. I don't think he showed the best like uh, submission ability, even though he threw up a lot. Uh, he was having a lot of issues trying to lock that up, but he, he eventually overwhelmed Massi Milano, getting a ground and poundish TKO victory uh, while Samarco. Samarco was uh, turtling up. Uh, 
this is a fight that Jotko should easily win with his striking. Uh, it all depends on where his mental is. Uh, that's a very important aspect here with Jotko. Again, coming off of three losses, knowing this is probably his last chance. If he gets an L here, he's probably going to get let go. But I think that he's going to be able to put together a good enough game plan on the feet to keep Allen on the outside, uh, You know, jab him up, work his uh, striking as he normally does, um, and get the victory here. You know, he holds a two-inch uh, height advantage, uh, as well as I think it's going to be a pretty significant reach advantage as well because uh, Allen doesn't seem to be like the most uh, lankiest guy out there. But I think that we're going to get a Kristoff, uh, you know, sparring slash stand-up display here and him get the victory uh, while keeping Allen on the outside. Next up, we got Roxanne Modafari versus Antonio Shevchenko. I'm not going to go too deep into this fight. Uh, you know, we all know what the hell is up with Antonio Shevchenko. Uh, very good striking, uh, Muay Thai champion, fucking killer on the feet. And then Roxanne Modafari brings the veteran experience, uh, probably the grappling advantage here if she's able to close the distance and get the fight to the ground. But I think that Antonio is just going to be too strong, uh, and she's just going to be able to beat up Roxanne on the feet long enough, uh, you know, to break Roxanne uh, and to not, you know, um, going for the takedown as much, not able to close the distance as well, um, and then just get a... I'm going to say she gets a TKO, or, yeah, TKO victory in the third round. Um, I would be wary about playing Roxanne, or sorry, uh, about playing Antonina at a heavy price. She's at minus 400 now. I would be very wary of that. You know what I mean? Like, if this fight does somehow, some way end up on the ground, I think that Roxanne has a very good shot at potentially submitting Antonina here. So I don't think the minus 400 is warranted. If she ever hit around minus 250-ish, highly doubt it. I think it would be worth it at that point. But at minus 400, even as a parlay piece, something gives me pause. But I still think that Antonina wins in the third round. T-K-O. Next up, we got Ivan Steikrov. Fuck. Steyer... Starikov, Starikov, uh, against uh, Devin Clark. So um, with Devin Clark, you know, a guy that trains down at Jackson's is a, uh, is a, uh, you know, one of the one of John Jones's training partners. Uh, oh, fuck, long day, long day. Uh, he's coming off a spinning back fist and punches loss to Alexander Rakic back in. December of 2018. Before that, he beat Mike Rodriguez. Um, he's supposed to fight Abdul Karim Adilov this time around, a guy that I've been waiting to come back to the UFC, but for some reason, it just keeps staying out. Uh, but regardless, he gets another Russian that he gets to fight in Ivan Styrakov, uh, a guy who is 16-0-1 that looks just... His, his name is the Ural Hulk. I don't know where Ural comes from. I'm, you know, somebody maybe in the, uh, in the comment section can actually educate me on that but he's a very intimidating figure you know what I mean uh in that fight against uh, Geronimo Dos Santos is a very close fight in terms which is why it was a draw but uh, he showed his deficiencies in his gas tank and if this fight ever you know reaches past the one and a half mark this is something that Devin Clark might be able to take advantage of but which uh Starkara with Ivan I'm just gonna go with Ivan fuck it uh, with Ivan, you know, very heavy striker, but in that Tiago Silva fight, he showed some decent fucking jiu-jitsu. It was very impressive, you know, in a, in a, he was transitioning from a certain uh, position. Tiago Silva wasn't really paying attention to his arm, gave it up, and then uh, Star Starikov uh, was able to, 
uh, latch onto their arm and get an armbar. Beautiful, beautiful technique in my my opinion too. It's not something I was expecting out of a guy like that who just looks like he just likes to throw bombs and, and tries to get finishes. Um, I think that if Devin Clark is able to, one, his chin holds up, and two, he's able to set up a pace that is going to get Ivan and even gassed even quicker. I think this is a fight that he could definitely win, maybe with a, a third-round submission or even like a, a, a decision. Um, but that first minute and a half is going to be hell for him. I think that Starikov is probably going to catch him. I think that Starikov is going to put him out in that first round, uh, and I think it's going to be a, a, a short night. But there is definitely a path to victory for Devin Clark that is very valuable or viable. So I wouldn't be mad at even seeing some... Uh, Devin Clark bets. What's it sitting at right now? Minus 172 Styrakov and plus 158 for Devin Clark. I wouldn't bet him at that range, but I wouldn't be surprised to see other people do it. <clears throat> All right, moving right the fuck along. Sergey Pavlovich versus Marcelo Gohm. Sergey Pavlovich, we know what he wants to do. Gets the fights to the ground, tries to put off some ground and pound um, and get the victory that way. Uh, unfortunately, he got completely his own gamed on him by Alistair Overeem in his last fight. Um, in this fight against Marcelo Gohm, I think it's going to be very easy for him. Uh, we saw Marcelo Gohm show his uh, weaknesses in uh, in an avenue where Sergey has his most or biggest advantages. Uh, you know, when Gohm fought Arjun Buller last time around. Um, and I think it's just going to be a similar fight. I just don't see Marcelo progressing enough, and I just don't think that he possesses enough power to knock out Sergei Pavlovich either. So it's going to be a one-sided fight. I think it's vi- or very reasonable as to why Sergei Pavlovich is a heavy favorite sitting around minus 270-ish, uh, and I think he's kind of even worth that price, so it might be something I look at as a potential parlay piece. But I got Sergei Pavlovich by second-round TKO via GMP. All right, we're going right to the co-main event. Co-main event, Islam Makhachev versus Armen Sarukian. Uh, this is actually a potential dog of the night bet for me. I'm, I'm very much looking into this. I know Islam Makhachev is a fucking beast. He's 16-1, and one, only ever lost that one fight to Adriano Martinez way back in the day. But since then, he's put together four victories, uh, even though he's not fought that much. It's unfortunate he hasn't fought that much. Um, but he is a beast in that division, uh, you know, very strong grappling, uh, in that, you know, in that Khabib team loves training with those AKA guys. Um, but we all know that he just loves the grappling. You know, he may have knocked out Glayson Tebow in less than a minute in his second last fight, but then he showed his grappling once again against Cajun Johnson, getting that armbar. Um, but in this fight against Armin Sarukuyan, uh, I think it's going to be intriguing. Uh, Sarukuyan, very young kid, you know, he's only 22 um, we almost we almost <laughs> share the same birthday, but he's looked like a complete killer. He only lost his uh, second ever pro fight, and then since then he's just been whooping ass. Uh, the f- last fight against Felipe Oliveira, very very impressive. You know, he imposed a very grappling heavy game. Uh, was able to control Felipe in a lot of these situations. Um, maybe not the best killer instinct when it comes to uh, getting the chokes or any type of submission, but he showed a beautiful. Uh, I think it was left hook, right high kick, or right hook, left high kick, finish over Felipe Oliveira, completely dead at Oliveira. Oliveira did not see that kick coming after that hook, and uh, he paid for it. And uh, Sarkoyan went to 13-1 and one after that fight. Um, 
Armin looks very strong. You know, I mean, I think he's he looked very much of a bully mentality in in this in this last fight against Felipe Oliveira. Uh, Vera was able to, you know, really control him with his strength, his grappling. Um, I think I'll have to give the technique advantage to Islam Makachev here, um, but I'd be very intrigued to see how Armin's strength actually plays into this fight. Um, I think at plus three fifty. He may be worth a shot, and people are, you know, watching just like the Alex De Silva fight. I think people are slowly, uh, you know, warming up to the Armin fight, and uh, we're going to start to see the price come down a little bit. So if you can get Armin above plus three fifty, I think he's worth a small shot at plus, you know, maybe one unit or so. Um, but we got. Um, I truly think that we can get um, Felipe Oliveira. Uh, sorry, I think that we can get uh, Armin at a decent price, and I think that he can win uh, a decision. Um, but he has a very tough task in Islam Makachev. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to take Islam Makachev by, uh, to actually win, uh, but I would not be surprised to see Armin win, and I think that he has a decent shot at plus 350 or even plus 300. So um, I'm going to say Islam Makachev by decision, but don't be surprised if we see an upset here. Next up, let's finish this thing off strong. We got Alistair Overeem against Alexei Olenek. We all know that Overeem was supposed to fight um, Alexander Volkov here. Would have been a very interesting fight. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd be very interested to see how that fight plays out. Surprised those guys have never fought in the past either, considering how many fights they all have. Um, but here we get Alistair Overeem versus Alexei Olenek. Um, very straightforward fight. We all really know what the hell to expect here. Alistair Overeem, amazing striker. Heavy power, um, you know, always shows a, a great sti- striking arsenal and, and isn't afraid to go up against some of these guys like Francis Ngannou, who, and nobody thought he would ever fucking take that fight, but he did. He paid for it, but, um, you know, we know what to expect with Overeem. We're, we're not expecting a Francis Ngannou tra- type of opposition when he goes against Alexio Linick here, um, but we're always concerned about, uh, you know, Alistair Overeem's chin. I don't think we're going to see that type of power uh, or accuracy from Olenek to be able to put over him out. So I think we're kind of safe here. And I think that there is going to be some money coming in on Olenek because people don't trust Alistair Overeem's chin. So if he hits around minus 200 or so, which I would not be surprised, I'm definitely betting that because I'm super tempted to bet him right now, but I just can't pull the trigger for some reason. But I think that minus 200 or so odds range will uh, tickle my fancy enough to actually pull the trigger here. But... Um, you know, Overeem has a great submission game as well, so uh, Alexei Olenek may be really good at jiu-jitsu, but I think that Overeem, you know, he, he he's a stronger, more athletic, and, and younger guy here. I'm certain that he's younger. Let me just fucking confirm that. 38, and Olenek's 40-something, like 44, I want to say. 41. So he, he's three years older than Overeem, but I think that Overeem just, you know, I don't think he's going to fall into any of Olenek's traps. He's too weathered for that. He's not Junior Albini. You know, he's not as much of a fish out of the water as Mark Hunt is when they're on the ground. So I think that Overeem, if this, does, if this fight does find itself on the ground, I think he'll be safe. Um, but I really think that he's going to be able to piece up Alexei Olenek on the feet. I think he's going to, I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to be able to knock him out first round, put him on enough uh, to Alexei Olenek. Maybe some knees are are what uh, some knees in the clinch are probably going to be the demise of Alexei Olenek once he starts to try to close the close the distance. But I think we see another Alistair Overeem highlight finish here. Uh, unfortunately, at the cost of Alexei Olenek's uh, brain. Um, 
but yeah, I'm going to take over him by first round finish. Uh, I might bet him if he hits minus 200-ish, if people really buy into that that narrative of his chin. Um, and yeah, we're just going to go with that. Bam, baby. We back. UFC St. Petersburg. That was pretty much it for the card. Um, I will be back with next week's card. Um, UFC Florida or UFC Sunrise, whatever the fuck they want to call it. It's headlined by Jacare Souza and Jack Romanson, which is a great fight. I was asking for a huge fight for Jack Romanson after he got that finish over David Branch, and voila, short notice, he gets Jacare Souza. So let's see where Jack Romanson can take it from here. But uh, LFL going great. We're doing as week two next week. And as I announced before, I didn't have to actually officially announce it, but anybody who watches the podcast, you guys are going to hear it from me. Um, I'm going to be changing the LFL format from a CPU simulated format to actual f- people playing against each other. I'm going to hammer out a way that I can make it fair and make sure nobody's fucking around and cheating. Uh, and we're going to put a little bit of money up. People are going to buy in. We'll see how many people we can get and how big we can grow this pot. And if it's big enough, I'll figure out a way that I can make a payout structure structure for like the top three players or some shit like that. But um, yeah, season seven, which should start around mid-May, is going to be real player against real player. We're going to make sure that uh, it's fair as fuck. We're going to have some fun. People are going to make some money. People are going to be sore losers. Some people might rage quit. Who the fuck knows? But I, I can't wait to organize it for everybody and make it a fun thing that people can uh, take part of uh, regularly. All right, that's pretty much it. I don't got much else. It was great talking to you guys again. Uh, and yeah, next week we might have a slightly longer show because I'm going to have a little bit more time to put into these fights. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter feed, at MMALOTN, uh, for anything that comes up this week. You know, I might change my opinion on some of these fights or I might make, come up with another bet that I didn't even tease at in this uh, episode. So make sure, Twitter, at MMALOTN. Otherwise, if you guys want to chat, you want to talk some shit, we can talk about it in the comment section below. Make sure you like the video, subscribe, um, and you guys continue to help me out and and make me know that this is not uh, this is for something. I'm working towards something here. So I really appreciate the support and all you guys are always watching. Thanks as always. We out of here. <laughs>